Yes. So we are emergency recording for all of our listeners. We're emergency recording because we realized that something happened to the audio for this episode that we recorded over a month ago, as you know, for preparation of Rebecca giving birth. We recorded a bunch of episodes in advance and we just realized that there was something wrong or like missing with the audio for this one. And we don't actually have the episode. We have 52 minutes of the four of us talking about nothing, but we don't actually have the episode. So, you know, it'd it be like that sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah it certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> it do. It do. <laughs> um, so Rebecca is not actually joining us for this re-recording of our a perfectly good heart episode because she did in fact have her baby and she's she's taken some time she's got like family in town visiting and just not able to get away to join us today so let's let's just get started let's do it Are you ready for it? Welcome to Ready For It, a Taylor Swift podcast. I'm Chandler. I'm Rebecca. I'm Bailey. And I'm Lizzie. So be fearless. Speak now. Put on your favorite shade of red. While shaking it off in a getaway car. Because sometimes you need to calm down. And wrap yourself up in your favorite cardigan. To find some happiness. And listen as we talk about the iconic poet herself, Miss Swift. As you know, (laughs) today we're going to be talking about A Perfectly Good Heart. It is the 14th track on Taylor Swift's debut album. And I guess technically this is considered a deluxe edition song. This was on the deluxe edition when that first came out, but now it's just on the standard edition because... As we know, she changed her deluxe edition to be like the enhanced standard edition when she took out the homophobic version of Picture to Burn and the version of Teardrops on My Guitar that said, damn. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway. Some background. So it's noteworthy because, well, it's one of Taylor Swift's first breakup songs. But I wouldn't say, I mean, I guess this, she wrote it when she was really young. So that's why it's considered one of her first, even though at this point we have already covered some of her famous debut breakup songs. But she describes her very first heartbreak. But in this song, she hints that there is more to come in the future, hinting heartbreaks and maybe different kinds of heartbreaks in the future, too, which they do, because that is life for everyone, including Miss Swift. Yeah, and that's kind of all I have for background. Yeah, there. I don't have any quotes either, not anything that I could find. But when I was looking for quotes for this, I looked, obviously, song facts, and then also the Wayback Machine. Couldn't find anything there. I started looking up her live performances of the song from this era, from the 2000, I'd say 2004 to 2000 seven-ish era when she would play these songs and I found a not a lot of you know live performances of this song but I did find one where she started out it was just her and her guitar there were some stools lined up at the front of the stage and she started off playing the guitar then the next instrument came in 
then the next, and the next, and the next. And they obviously added to the instrumentation of the song one at a time. Then she started singing. And by the time she was finished singing, they did it in a reverse. So the last instrument to sit down and start playing left first until it was just Taylor and her guitar on stage, which is probably the coolest performance I've seen of this song. One of the only live performances, like I said, that's out there. But it I, it made, it gave me like more of an appreciation for the instrumentation on, of this song. It's very, very pretty. And I think that the live version that I saw really like reflects that. The instrumentation, like we're going to get into it, but obviously this song is not the deepest song on her debut album, but I, I think melodically, I think it's one of the best on the debut album. I think this song too is very country comparatively yes. to other songs on debut. I mean, most of debut is still, I mean, her country album, but this one definitely goes into those country roots and that ties in with the instrumentation that you were talking about too. Yeah. But yeah, this song is very, like, lyrically very simple, I think. But there are some, we'll get into it, some deep lyrics that su- might surprise you. If our listeners haven't really listened or given much thought to this song, you really should. Because it's still a gem. And it's overlooked sometimes, I think. I really yeah. think what makes this song so deep... Um, is her inflections, like the way that she sings it and the way that the music ties in with what exactly she's singing. There are a lot of parts in the song where it almost sounds like she's singing a cappella, which I think, you know, really emphasizes the depth behind the meaning of the lyrics. This song is, like, really short. It's a very short song. It's tied up together in a nice, neat little bow. But it's still... You know, oh my god, guys, sorry. Sorry, the cat is scratching the door. Hold on. (laughs) You're fine. The number of times I've had to, like, get up to let my dogs out. (laughs) Anyway, what were you saying? I was just saying how, like, this song might be, like, short and sweet, but it's, like, what you were saying, Bailey, like, her inflections and how she sings the lyrics. It's really beautiful. And we'll get, we'll dive into, like, the specifics obviously, but when we go over the lyrics, but yeah, overall, the song is overlooked. Yeah. Bailey, do you have any critical acclamations to speak of? Not for this song specifically. The album won a bunch of awards, so I mean, really, we could kind of include whatever awards the album won to fit with this song, but that's it. Yeah, there's just not a lot about this song out there. I'm pretty sure Taylor hasn't I guess somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Taylor hasn't even performed this song live in a long time. I I, I haven't seen any I haven't recordings either. of this live. I want to say I remember for Speak Now, remember how she used to write the lyrics on her arms? Like oh, there's yes. a, I want to say that she did a perfectly good heart for a show. Oh, I don't, I wish I, I don't know where I saw that, but... I have no idea. There are some people who can remember, like, what she, like, wrote on her arm, what lyric, what what tour date. I, that's not how, that's not the things I remember about Taylor Swift. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to, she, I mean, there's a whole article on the different lyrics she wrote on her arm for, keep this for later. That would be something when we get to speak now, 
be yeah. something fun to cover and how that they connect because be. a lot of the times the songs connect to they're not necessarily her lyrics they were mostly from other songs yeah that I think that she her. did it I think she did it kind of like a mood ring type thing like our Monday moods almost yes. yeah yes I remember the lyrics she had on her arm for our show, Liz, was a green day. It was a green day lyrics. Yes. It was good riddance. Which is so cute because when we graduated from high school, that was like, didn't our principal like say the lyrics from good riddance? Oh, yeah. At graduation. <laughs> so uh-huh. like, during like the commencement address or whatever. So. Yeah. All comes for full circle. Um, according to this article at My Speak Now Tour show, she had uh, made the memories break your fall from Long Live. Oh, I want to. That's a good one. Yeah, this is totally unrelated to a perfectly good part. I know. I, so I do we want to? <laughs> do we want to get started on the lyrics? Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Let's first mention that it starts with the chorus. So yes. Here we go. Why would you want to break a perfectly good heart? Why would you want to take our love and tear it all apart now? Why would you want to make the very first scar? Why would you want to break a perfectly good heart? So, yeah, it's like pretty... I mean, it's very straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. See, we talk a lot about this, like, in a lot of her other songs, especially on debut, but just like the rhyme pattern and the rhyme scheme she has in here, like heart apart and then scar and the way she says heart in the last line, she kind of makes it rhyme with scar. Yes. (laughs) I mean, it's the same, like, you know, we've talked about this time and time again with the rhyme patterns in debut songs and debut lyrics, but it's just something worth mentioning. Conversational kind of like how should have said no was except should have said no and I I remember when we did the original recording for this we definitely (laughs) did talk about this I'm having kind of deja vu okay good because there's like a lot that I cannot remember from our original recording (laughs) something about how where should have because I think I talked about like conversational songs and and debut and I compared it to this one and how this one was Less. Almost like a stream of consciousness. Yes, stream yeah. of consciousness. Yeah. Where I should have said no was like to him, mm-hmm. to the guy that did her wrong. Yeah. yeah. I almost feel like this is like the like the younger version of should have said no. Like, you know, she's still like in this song, she's still talking to the guy. Like, why would you want to take our love and tear it all apart? But it's it's like this song is like it's younger sibling. Like it's almost like the naive version of should have said no. Why would you want to do this? But then it should have said no. It's like you should have done this, but you didn't. And now it's over. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's less self-assured. Like she is having to question. Why would you want to break a perfectly good heart? Why would you want to take our love and tear it all apart? Why? Why? This is like, she's like, like denial. This yeah. whole song is like denial, especially the chorus. It's like, it's almost like, it's I don't, almost like, I don't, I don't get it. Like why, you know? And at the same yeah. time, like it feels almost more like less like angry and more in confused. shock, like reserved. Like, yes. Yeah. Confused. Definitely. I feel like this is the song, like she was singing to herself or to him really either one, 
when she first found out that this guy was, you know, cheating on her with another girl. This is the song she sang first, and then she realized, wow, like, now he's apologizing to me, and his, and he's, you know, down on his knees, and no, you <laughs> absolutely not, you know? Yeah, but we do know that, like, what she wrote and should have said no is what she said to him in the moment, yeah. so... Yeah. But, like, the, I can see this song being, like what you said, naive, like, younger. Like, this is happening to somebody who's much younger mm-hmm. and has less of an idea of their own self-worth because of how how the questioning and, like, not necessarily immature, but just the, the difference between this and should have said no is the confidence to me. Like, yeah, I agree. This is, like, the song that, you know how, like, when you're really mad at someone... And you're, like, having a fake argument with them in your head. You're saying all this (laughs) stuff, like, why would you do this to me? How dare you? And you're, like, practicing for the argument you're going to have with them. I feel like that's what this song is. Like, she's practicing what she's going to say. She's internally having this dialogue with herself, essentially. But it's, you know, about whoever did her wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, it's it's an interesting concept. Like, why would you want to break a perfectly good heart? Basically, to me, that's like, there was no reason for you to do this. Like, I was fine before you did this, and now I'm not going to be the same. It's also kind of, like, jaded, too, because she's saying, like, it's perfectly fun. Like, it's, I don't know, it's, she's already assuming that love is going to be, you know, not what it was supposed to be in the movies and TV shows and, like, etc. Part of me feels like the, the... Taylor's perspective in this is that she was expecting this to happen eventually because she does, like you said, she's like, why did, you know, the very first scar knowing that there's going to be more in the future. Mm -hmm. So it kind of seems to me like she was expecting it. Maybe she was feeling, she was feeling pessimistic about love in general at this point, but was definitely not expecting this to happen when it like this heartbreak to happen when it did so the first verse maybe i should have seen the signs should have read the writing on the wall and realized by the distance in your eyes that i would be the one to fall no matter what you say i still can't believe that you would walk away it don't make sense to me but and then it goes into the chorus again and the chorus repeats it's the same yeah I this I mean this is this is the only verse according to Genius Lyrics this is the only verse in the whole song. I mean like we said before it's it's incredibly short. It's structured incredibly differently than most of the other songs on debut. But this is like the the line right in the middle and I realized by the distance in your eyes that I would be the one to fall. This song is so simple and it's so short and to be honest it's kind of repetitive. But the poetry in this line kind of brings the song to life. The song's kind of boring, to be honest with you, but this kind of brings it life. This line here. It gives it a little bit. It gives it a little bit more dimension. Sorry. It does. Yeah. It's like, you know, and we've said this so many times. She could have. And there are so many TikToks about it, too. Like, she could have just said this. But instead, she said this. Like. There are so many other ways she could have said this, but she chose to go with the distance in your eyes. Like, the the poetry and the imagery there is unmatched, even in debut, even in, 
you know, one of her simpler songs, it's still unmatched. I mean, this is also like kind of foreshadowing future songs of hers too, because she mentions signs a lot and writing on the wall. These are reoccurring Taylor tropes. And also it even says on Genius, I don't know how credible this is because a random contributor said this, but they say this isn't for this verse. This isn't the only time Taylor has described a boy's eyes while they're drifting apart. She did the same on her 2010 song, Haunted. And they even Mm -hmm. have the lyric, whoa, whoa, holding my breath, won't lose you again. Something's made your eyes go cold. Go cold. Um, It also kind of, that line, the end by the distance in your eyes, that I would be the one to fall, it almost reminds me of Tolerate It. This guy, you know, she's so in love with this guy and Tolerate It, and he's just, like, there. Yeah, because... You know, kind of taking her for granted and just, like, kind of doing the bare minimum, just, like, he's there, but he's not really there. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, this verse kind of... So, in the chorus you get like that doubt that self-doubt that she's having and here it's like she knows she knows Mm -hmm. the answer but it doesn't want to like admit it right like maybe to him or like to herself even because like she's like kind of beating herself up like maybe i should have seen the signs maybe i should have they were literally right in front of me the way he was acting whatever it is and so she's still playing on that self-doubt but now she's like being really direct about it Mm -hmm. so the chorus is all questions and then here it's like this is the answer and this is like a pattern in her writing too like questioning whether or not she's the one who's the problem like I know we definitely talked about this in the original recording of of this episode that we lost somehow but there's this idea that that was really prevalent, especially in like 2012. I remember my first year of college specifically, people would like try to fight me about this, but they would be like, she never, Taylor Swift never takes responsibility for her breakups. Like she never puts the blame on herself. It's always somebody else's fault, but that's actually not true. Like she, even within like, you know, Dear John, she's like, maybe it's me and my blind optimism to blame. And all too well, she's like, maybe we got lost in translation. Maybe I asked for too much. And I think there was something in I Knew You Were Trouble. She says that she knows the the blame is on her and the joke is on her. So she does... She does really struggle with, like, thinking that she is the problem in the relationship, I feel like, based off of just the sheer number of times that she's mentioned it, not even just like being the overarching theme of like a song, but also questioning it when she's working through these really big, like, I guess, well-known breakup songs that she writes, like, like mentioned, like Dear John and All Too Well. Right. I just had to pull up the lyrics of I Knew You Were Trouble because I wanted to see what you were talking about, but I, I mean, in a way, that whole song is also kind of self-doubt, too, in, mm-hmm. a, in yeah. its own way. Yeah, but, she's blaming herself because, you know, she's blaming herself for the breakup because she she knew that this guy was trouble, you know? Like, everyone was telling her she knew his reputation and all of that, so she's kind of blaming herself. Like, this is really on me because I knew you were trouble and I still decided to, you to know, go date you or go out with you or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't, like... 
here we are once again debunking the popular ways that people like to try and say Taylor Swift sucks. First so. of all, if you think that she is always blaming the guy for her relationship problems, then you're not listening to the right songs. You're only no, listening you're- to the popular songs that have been released. So I would encourage you to listen to a few more songs. Maybe open your horizons a little bit. You're Shuffle also missing- all of her albums, not just <laughs> not just <laughs> the singles. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, but you're all if if you feel that way, you're also missing the the point of the fact that these are for these this is her side of the story. And never does she say that any any guy or any relationship she's had that's ended, never has she said that they can't tell their side of the story. I mean, there is a plethora of songs that are written about Taylor, most notably John Mayer. Harry Styles, Joe Jonas have all written songs about her mm-hmm. that, I mean, I think Harry Styles songs came out several years after they like broke up. So the songs weren't like too bad, but like the- John Mayer was petty as fuck in the song that he wrote about her uh-huh. and Joe Jonas. Girl, you're like 22 girls in one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, didn't Joe Jonas, didn't, are you referring to much better? Much better. Okay, I also that think came that also wrote- out. Way later after they dated too, didn't it? It no, like a like a year, maybe yeah, less than a she year. She was still touring. Well, that was probably yeah. Speak Now. I think that so. It came out in they broke up in two thousand eight, and she he he released that song on Lines, Vines, and Trying Times on which came out in two thousand nine. Which you know what? Hate to say it, that album flopped. That that was the yep. worst. That's the worst Jonas Brothers album that you know there what is. The sad part is that's one of my favorite albums. Like, well, there's some good songs on there either. for. Sh- they've got uh, some good songs on there for sure, but some of them yeah. are just like cringe. Like, like, much better. Better. Also, she wrote "Teardrops on My Guitar," and I that was released in in what 2006. On he totally two, said that. And he didn't because... release you know, much better until three years later. So, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter when it was released or, you know, who wrote who what, but Taylor's not the only one who's doing it because Joe Jonas did it. John Mayer did it. Harry Styles did it. Like they all do it. It That's, yeah. that, that's how you get your inspiration. They when rebuttal each other. They rebuttal. Yeah. Their songs I mean, they each get their chance to tell their story, right. their side of the story. I'm sure it's like with most things in life when you're getting two different stories from two different like sides. There the truth is closer to the sides. middle, but yeah. yeah. There are always three sides to a story. There's person one side, person two side, and then the truth is somewhere there in the middle. Yeah. So yeah. 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 In terms of and like going back to the thing about teardrops on my guitar, that was her most popular one of one of her most popular songs at the time when he re- like was writing that song. So he picked that lyric that he wrote and and like called out that song so that people knew it was about her. Yeah. Right. The same the same thing with John Mayer's you know paper doll song. Yeah. She had yeah. just released. Red 22, yeah. yeah. The song 22, and he said, You're like 22 girls in one. Like, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, the last thing I want to say about this verse is that, I mean, I feel like it's kind of a tease. Like, we talked about the songs kind of short, 
the structure is, you know, different from anything that she has on her debut album for sure. And maybe even most of her albums, the structure of how the song is written is very different than what we're used to. And this little like tease of a story, like I feel like this and like kind of, kind of the bridge, which will, I think that's what we'll get to next. This and a little bit of the bridge, you know, kind of makes me wish for more. Like this is where we're getting the story from. Like, these are the only glimpses we really get of any details about this song. And like, I think, I feel like I might've said this when we originally recorded this episode, but it kind of seems like this song was less so about the lyrics and more so about the music, especially after seeing that performance that I described earlier. I think that, that it, it was more about the, the music for this song. I can see that because I also feel like lyrically it, it, and I might have said this too, the original recording, it feels a little unfinished. Yes. Like, like like how you were saying, like, you want more. Like, you want to find out, like, more, like, what happened. Like, you know, it, it just feels like there was more that she had to say. But maybe the music speaks for it. Maybe, like, that's what we get from this song and that's it. And that's okay. Yeah. But be curious if she did in the future, like... I don't know, an adult version of a perfectly good heart in some way. I, I mean, wonder if I, I wonder if the the re-recorded version of this song might be a little bit different. Um, I would hope or not. If she'll, <laughs> or if she'll keep it the same. Well, so it, it'll be interesting to hear it because, I mean, even with Fearless, a lot of the instrumental pieces oh, of yes. the music, they've been crisper and, you know, almost like enhanced. Yeah, like um, you can definitely sounds tell crisper, it. it sounds more prevalent. Yeah. Um, so I wonder if that, you know, if she keeps the song the same, I'm wondering if that might, you know, help us to appreciate the song a little more. Like you said, it it might be more about, you know, the music and the instruments more than the lyrics itself. And, you know, the re-recorded version of this might help us give, you know, that kind of appreciation. And where maybe her inflections might change even more when she, the re-recording of this drops, because... And that will give the lyrics some depth, more depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just had this thought. So it's nice to have a friend, right? Super simple. Like we we talked about this on our Mary song episode. It, it, it feels like the grown up version of Mary's song in that she, she's kept that song pretty simple, but been able to really still tell the story and get, you know, the imagery across that she wanted to. And, you know, it's nice to have a friend as a short song too. So it kind of feels like in terms of structurally, this, a perfectly good heart could be like the prelude to it's nice to have a friend, like structurally in terms of the way that it's written. I never thought of that before, but I, I agree. Yeah. That's a really good point. I mean, Taylor wrote this when she was really young and I didn't, I don't think I mentioned that, she wasn't the, hold on, she wasn't the sole writer of this song, was she? No, she was, yeah. She was? Okay. Yeah, yeah it's just I'm produced by Yeah. Yeah, this one was produced by Robert Ellis Oral, like, yes. in, in addition to the other songs he produced on her debut album. Also, Scott Porchetta was a producer on this, too. That's just because he was a producer the of the whole of the album. album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I 
Because I, for my notes here, I have Brett James and Troy Verges for writers and Taylor. Well, let me grab, I think we talked about this in the original episode that we recorded. Let me grab my, well, no, it's not going to say that. So maybe we better Google it. Yeah, it says written by Troy Verges, Brett James, and Taylor Swift. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I don't know why I just had Taylor Swift written as the sole writer. I didn't even and mention it's also, it when we were doing background, so... Just... It's also saying that it was produced by Brett James and Troy Verges, not Robert Ellis Oral. Obviously, that's weird, because I have Robert Ellis. What is the answer? We don't know. We really don't know. Like, honestly, the bonus tracks on this album are a mystery. Yes. Yeah. There's very little information, and also credible information. Yeah, they were written so long ago. All right, so yeah. Yeah, let's move on to the bridge. Okay. It's not unbroken anymore. How do I get it back the way it was before? I mean, she has better bridges. I mean... (laughs) I mean, this isn't, like, she's not, she's not saving the infrastructure <laughs> yeah. with the bridge. But, I mean, it, it's simple. It, it's one of her more simple bridges. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a valid question. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I just never really think to, I would never really think to ask it in this way. But, you know... <laughs> how do you get back to the person that you were before your first heartbreak? You know, like that's something that a lot of people ask. And, you know, it, it's a theme in music for sure. And it makes sense. Like when you have been with somebody and suddenly you're not with them anymore and then you don't even know how to be the person that you are. Like, I'm just thinking again, all too well, in the lyrics when she says I'd like Time to be myself again but I'm still trying to find it yeah yeah and then also like she's out here like inspiring other artists in a similar way because what is it good enough from Olivia Rodrigo's album where she says now I I just want myself back or something like that yeah she does one of the songs I don't remember which one it is I think it's yeah. good enough yeah yeah uh, i can't find the exact lyric, no this I, lyric and that whole like thought that like you know it's not unbroken anymore how do i get it back the way it was before like no you're you're almost trying to go back to you know the person you were before you broke up with this person and before this person put you through the heartbreak but i think it's not necessarily it doesn't necessarily have to be how do i go back you know to who i was before but who am I going to be moving forward? And the song that really makes me think of that is in Daylight, when kind of at the end where she says, I once believed love would be burning red, but it's golden. It's almost like, you know, I believed that, that same sense, like I believed that, you know, I needed to get back to who I was before, but it's almost like I need to find a new version of myself. Yeah. I really like the word, I feel like Chandler, you mentioned this in the original recording, the, the word unbroken because yeah. it's it's so like it's cute not cute I don't I hate saying cute well but the it's... way that I like think about it is when something breaks like you can fix it 
but it's never going to not have been broken. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you can you can fix something that breaks and make it more beautiful. I know there used to be showing my age here a little bit, but back in the day on Tumblr, there was this post that went around and it would be like in some society when like a vase broke, they would like put it back together with like gold. I I don't, I mean, obviously they wouldn't put it back together with actual gold, but like they would, they would add to it. And like, so you could still see the cracks, but they were like glittery and like shimmery and pretty and gold and made it like a brand new piece of art almost. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what I think about when I think of unbroken, like the word is like, it's always going to have been broken. You can't unbreak something. You can fix it. You can mend it. You can move on. You can make it something better, more beautiful, or you cannot, but it's still going to have been broken. Right. This is, song kind of reminds me too of like right where you left me. I'm, and I'm like jumping into like song recommendations, but in a way, because like, Right Where You Left Me just reminds me of the Time Won't Fly. You know, I'm paralyzed by it, but it's just Mm -hmm. stuck right there. And this, the whole, like, lyric, or the whole word, unbroken, you know, I just, I don't know. It's kind of sad, you know? And like I mentioned, this is just alluding to future heartbreaks. And future, you know, she already knows that this isn't going to be the first. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sad. But it is true, unfortunately. And then just the rest of the song, the chorus starts up again, but it's kind of less instrumentation. Like, there's just, like, a few instruments, and it's almost a cappella. And then, I don't know, Lizzie, do you want to read the last the last two choruses? Because it repeats twice. But it's yes. a little bit... I mean, the lyrics are only slightly different. Why would you want to break a perfectly good heart? Why would you want to take our love and tear it all apart now? Why would you want to make the very first scar? Why would you want to break? Why would you want to break it? Why would you want to break a perfectly good heart? Why would you want to take our love and tear it all apart now? Why would you want to make the very first scar? Why would you want to break a perfectly good heart? So, kind of very repetitive. Yes, <laughs> um, super repetitive. And, like, so like by the difference. time you get to the end of it, you're, like, okay, like, is, like, are we finished yet? But <laughs> I, like, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, we've said it before. It's just, it's kind of, like, the, it's very naive. The whole song, it's naive. The whole, like, even it's not unbroken anymore. The why would you want to break a perfectly good heart? You know, all of this stuff. It, it, it's incredibly naive. And the whole trope, I guess, um... But, I mean, they're really good questions. Why? Why are you taking our love and tearing it apart? Like, why are you making the... I mean, it it's a pertinent question, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, when you think about it, she's, like... She's telling a story of a very first breakup, a very first heartbreak. You, These are the kinds of questions that, you know, you... You want to ask anytime, but you don't always get, like, the kind of closure that you need from relationships. And even if you do ask these questions, you still might not get closure Everything from a relationship ending. Right. But, and it is oh, naive. And maybe it's you. What? Oh, it's not me, it's you. 
or it's not you, it's me. <laughs> I was about to That's say, wow, has somebody said that to you? <laughs> what does that even, like, what does that even mean? Just in general, what, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, I think that, yes, this is a very naive song, but I think that it's telling a very specific, even, even with our, like, assumption that maybe this song isn't necessarily about the story, it's still telling a very specific story. Like it's telling a broad story with mm-hmm. not many details, but it's still telling a, a specific story and it, she still gets the point across. And that's, again, we say this all the time. That's just what Taylor is the best at is telling stories and telling different kinds of tor- stories or telling the same story in a different way that makes it seem new. And you know, I, I, I do appreciate this song. It's definitely not a song where I'm like, I really want to listen to a perfectly good heart on repeat right now for the rest <laughs> of the night. Like, it, it's not like that. But, you know, I, I definitely have an appreciation for it. I have even more of an appreciation after seeing that live version of it that I, I talked about. And, yeah, like, like we said, it's repetitive. It's not the best lyrically. Rebecca, I asked her if she had any strong opinions one way or the other about this song since she's not able to join us for this episode. And she said... Repetitive and corny. Croony. (laughs) She said it's repetitive and croony, not corny. (laughs) Either way. Yeah, I remember when we first recorded this episode, she was not having it. Like, she's she's not a fan of this song. I mean... I definitely remember when I first heard this song, though, I, I I listened to it a couple times, for sure. I probably related it to some random boy, you know, that, like, the, the, boy, um, the same middle school boy, probably, let's be real. No, I mean, I don't know, probably. I, it's probably on my MySpace playlist, for sure. I can see it now. Yeah, I mean, when the song came out. My top friend, you know, to like top five instead of one. Because that was the millennial way of like, you're going down. We're not (laughs) friends anymore. So passive aggressive. (laughs) Yeah, but no, I mean, when this song came out, Taylor Swift was already really, like, she had a really strong fan base after this, you know, the standard edition of her debut album came out. She had a really, really big fan base already. And so speaking as us, we've been Swifties since that era. I remember just being starved for more like music from her, just like being so excited to be able to hear these new songs. And I, I, I mean, I loved them. Like, and it's not that I don't love them now. It's just like, it's not my cup of tea anymore. I, I don't, and it's not even not that it's not my cup of tea. It's just like, this is not the song that I gravitate towards. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, it's interesting because like us covering debut there, and this is the last one of the, well, now standard edition deluxe before we get into Beautiful Eyes. And I think that, you know, I do have a greater appreciation for debut after going over it with you guys. I think that, not that I would necessarily skip songs like this from debut, but if I'm, you know, have this and then I have like a song from Evermore, I'm more likely to listen to the song from Evermore or even Fearless Taylor's version over debut. But now I don't really necessarily skip because I'm looking for those interesting lyrics 
even if it's, you know, a perfectly good heart and it's like that one verse that I really like, you know, I'm looking for that when I'm re-listening. Yeah. And and like, I totally feel the same way about this album. Like I I just remember more how I'm remembering more how much I loved this album. I think we definitely all four of us have a greater appreciation or maybe not a greater appreciation, but like a, we're remembering how great this album actually was since we've taken this deep dive into every single song. I mean, I said it on my unpopular opinions, TikTok debut has some of her best lyrics. A lot of the songs that are on debut, if they had been on any other album, they would not be as slept on, but people don't like country or they don't like her voice from this era, which that's understandable. Like I get that. Like you, people have genre preferences. They have preferences about how people sing and, you know, she's definitely come a long way in her singing. So I totally get it. But lyrically, musically, like this album is good. It's not just good. It's great. It's one of the best country albums. I think that's out there. And this, you know, they, used to say like in country music awards especially after this album taylor brought a lot of young people you know to listen to country music as a genre you know she was one of those big stars like carrie underwood kelly pickler like but taylor was even different than them and i i'm biased i know because i did like some of carrie underwood and kelly pickler's songs back in the day but i you know i definitely think that taylor had a different kind of spark to her when she first came on the scene you also that. have to remember that, you know, this song or this this album in particular, she was so young. I mean, this was her first album. I mean, this it's yeah. her debut album. This is the first album that she's ever released. This is the album that, you know, brought her onto the scene. And it's it's really just a stepping stone for the rest of her career. And like you said, one of uh, some of her best lyrics come from debut. But like you said, this this album is so you know, she was so young and it's her first album and she doesn't have that many experiences. She doesn't have yeah. the experience, that songwriting experience like yeah. she does, you know, in some of her older songs. So, I mean, of course, like we're going, we're going to question like what Taylor, like what, what are you doing here? <laughs> you but, know, but it, it's good. Like, I think for yeah, us, though, still it's a really good nostalgic. Album. It's so nostalgic to let's go back and listen because we were also young listening to Taylor yeah. for the first time. Mm-hmm. So we also didn't have those life experiences. We have essentially grown with her. Yeah. You know, yeah. so and that not to say like, okay, millennial Swifty, here we go. Like, but I'm serious. Like we yeah, have grow up alongside true. Taylor as we opposed did. to like younger fans feel like she's their mom. I've and I'm sh- I know for a fact I've said this before, but I- because I say it all the time, but I feel like she's my like cool, slightly older sister who I wanted yes. to be. Well, yes. it's so true because like you know when when she released fifteen, like we were fifteen when fifteen was released. Yeah. You know, so it's like we were growing up with with her with her and with her albums. You we know, still are in a sense. Yeah, too. and I think that's part of the reason why like she was so different from like Carrie Underwood and Kelly Pickler because she was a teenager. Kelly Pickler is four years older than her, so she was 20 when she was releasing music, and Carrie Underwood is seven years older than her, mm-hmm. so she, that would make They already had experiences, and they yeah. were already in the scene, and yeah, I, Taylor, like, she just had this youth to her, this innocence, this, you know, like, almost 
the world was her oyster, mm-hmm. you know, and it, yeah. and it actually, like, I mean, she grew and it, it was, it, it is, it, it, it is still, you know, she's still breaking records. So, I mean, she, and, and she also set the scene for a lot of artists to come, which is yeah. really important. And although like a perfectly good heart isn't the best going back to the song, it is like a nice little bonus track. I think, to be honest with you, I really feel like it's a good segue to Fearless. Like, yeah, like I get, I get, I get, I get in terms of discography, like the Beautifulized EP comes next, but this is a really good segue to Fearless. It's so, it's very simple. It's, it's, it's not entirely poetic, but you know, then you get to Fearless and there are, there is a lot to unpack with Fearless. There's, there's a lot of heartbreaking songs. There's a lot of, you know, more heartbreak experiences that come with the Fearless album. There's more poetry, you know, there's more songs that are incredibly deep in terms of their meaning. She lived a lot more life in between writing Mm -hmm. and releasing Taylor Swift and writing and releasing Fearless, you know? And so there's obviously going to be differences. She's going to have growth, but I totally agree with you, Bailey. This song is a great way to segue into that because I, I really think of it as like experimental in terms of her music based on what she was doing back then. Like it might sound kind of more like, you know, a traditional country song than some people think she's ever done. Cause you know, there's the people who think that she was never country. <laughs> right. But like, it's, it's just so different from the rest of the stuff that's on her debut album. Yeah. I agree. Do we want to do fear- favorite lyrics? Sure. Um, I think I already said mine, maybe in the beginning, but my favorite lyrics is, you know, the part in the first verse where she says, and realized by the distance in your eyes that I would be the one to fall. Yeah. It's, it Honestly, it's one of her most heartbreaking lyrics on debut for me. And I know we talked about this a little bit before, Chandler, when you said debut has a lot of, you know, of her best lyrics. And this is, it's from a song that's, pretty repetitive but it's just like this is the light in this song I think of this song as kind of like gray but then I see I hear this lyric and I'm like oh my god there's the light in the song yeah so I agree that was mine too basically the whole verse like I mean it it's the only part in this that isn't her just repeating asking the questions and also yeah. just the bridge, I mean, I know the bridge isn't the best bridge, but just the it's not unbroken anymore. And I've talked about why I really like that. Yeah, that's my favorite lyric. It's not unbroken anymore. Kind of a little bit going into how do I get it back to the way it was? How do I get it back the way it was before? But mostly it's not unbroken anymore is my favorite line. But it's, it's like I said before, like the questioning of like how to be the person that you were before and just the concept of unbroken I love yeah, it. It's really cool. Um, there are no, there's no secret message in the song, so we can move right on to song recommendations. Okay. All right. Um, I guess I'll go first. Um, so I had Rolling in the Deep by Adele as a song recommendation. Rolling in the Deep, you know, she mentions the scars of your love. She also mentions... Just like the whole song is just kind of like, she says, finally, I can see you crystal clear. Like, and it, it kind of is, it reminds me, you know, 
imperfectly got heart where she says, why would you want to make the very first scar? And then she says, maybe I, maybe I should have seen the signs, should have seen the writing on the wall, you know, like, wow, it's all so clear to me now about the way that you were. And I just kind of chose to ignore it. They're very similar to me. Yeah. I've got two songs. So I've got Good Enough by Olivia Rodrigo, mostly for the line. And I don't want your sympathy. I just want myself back. You know, that's a song about a breakup. And she's not necessarily like questioning the breakup, but she's just kind of talking about how like she never felt good enough for the person in the in, that she was in a relationship with. And, you know, it really reminds me of the same kind of feeling that this song has in terms of naivety and then also the lack of self-confidence. Putting somebody on a pedestal in a relationship is never going to be a good idea. And it's something that we are all, at least I, I think a lot of people can really relate to the feeling of like thinking that you're not good enough for somebody. And like, I think, again, that just speaks to the lack of like confidence in relationships, which just reminds me of a perfectly good heart. And then the other song I have is July by Noah Cyrus, which I love this song. I think that Noah Cyrus should release more music like this. But if you are not familiar with July, it's it's kind of about being afraid of the change of the heartbreak and, and staying and still getting your heart broken anyway. But it, it's less so the lyrical resemblance and more so like the feeling that I get from July and a perfectly good heart. Like they definitely have different vibes, but just like when you, when you look at it, they're both just like really sad songs. <laughs> no, I, I love the song July. When I was Cyrus. Okay. I put down, I actually put down dear John, which is obviously a very well-known breakup Taylor song, but specifically because of the lyrics, I should have known, which is, Kind of, again, in that song, she is also has a lot of self-doubt. You know, she's talking about how she should have seen all of these signs, pretty much, and very similar to Perfectly Good Heart, again. Really, Taylor really goes, she really is hard on herself, and we've talked about this and over and over again, but, and I also put First Cut is the Deepest by Sheryl Crow, and I think I really just did that because first cut your first heartbreak yeah no that's a really good one (laughs) you know very well known Cheryl Crow song but if people haven't listened to it you should give it a try it's it's a classic but yeah it's kind of and I put all too well too but we talked about how it connects to all too well trying not Um, to do as many Taylor songs for my song recommendations but I always end up doing Taylor songs because I realize I mainly so listen to Taylor and mm. that too. And I'm like, I need to branch out and listen to other people too. I feel like we're going to yeah. have, like, it's going to be song recommendations, you know, especially when we get to Fearless. It's going to be like, okay, wait, like, there's there's so many Taylor songs I could relate to this to this one Taylor song, you know? Yeah, I feel like we're gonna have to really get creative and really do some research. Yes, I'm very excited. Yeah, as a rule, I try not to do any Taylor songs unless it's like really good. Because we all, like, when the the very first time we did this, I think we all came in with the the same (laughs) song recommendation for a Taylor song. So, (laughs) yeah, I'm trying to be better, but you know. Rebecca said that her song recommendation was Bye Bye Baby by Taylor Swift. So 
Which I think Bye Bye Baby almost sounds like it should be on debut. Yeah, I do too. I really think that it was to me. Yeah. I wonder, I bet she's already like planned out what songs are going to be the vault tracks for all of these re-recordings. Like there's no way she didn't know which songs she wanted to use like before she decided what was going on Fearless and like released it. And I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking back. It's kind of like what I said before about how we used to only have the debut album. That was the only music we had from her. But then we also had all her unreleased songs because she wrote a ton of songs. Mm -hmm. She wrote a ton of songs. I can't remember. I think I saw an interview, like a radio interview she did where she wrote like hundreds of songs for the album. She, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot out there. So I bet you she put Bye Bye Baby on Fearless because it didn't necessarily fit with the vault tracks that are going on debut. I mean, we'll get to Bye Bye Baby in like, what, two years? But <laughs> we'll get there. Um, Not quite. But I definitely think that that song is like, it sounds, because it's Jack Antonoff, right? So it sounds like 1989 to me, but then... No, that's Don't Oh, you're right. You're right. I don't know. I have I have to re-listen to the Vault songs again and again because I honestly haven't listened to them as much as I should have. But yeah, no, Bye Bye Baby definitely sounds like it belongs in the debut era, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But, okay, you were right. Jack did produce Bye Bye Baby, but it's Don't You that sounds, that sounds like, like it. sounds like 1989. Yeah. Yes. I like Don't You. I do too. Like it's I remember when we did our our fearless reaction episode and we were all in a like we all agreed, all four of us agreed that Don't You was our least favorite cuz it didn't sound like it belonged and poor Steven was like not me like loving this, this song so song. much. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not that we like dislike the song. It's actually a really good song just when it when when Fearless Taylor's version first came out, I feel like probably Don't You was just a little it felt a little misplaced yeah, and that's 100 the production not anything else right <sighs> anyway so we're done with debut Woo! we did it we did it it took us a long time to get here i feel like but well, we made it just wait <laughs> just wait it's fearless just wait i know <laughs> yeah anyway bailey you want to take us out sure. of here We've had the best time revisiting Taylor Swift's debut album, and we're glad we got to do it with all of you. So thanks for listening to Ready For It, a Taylor Swift podcast. Look out for our next episode where we explore Taylor Swift's Beautiful Eyes EP with Beautiful Eyes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok to get updates on next episodes. Handles for our social media accounts can be found in the description. Thanks for listening. Thank you.